This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast, where you'll learn the strategies and tactics you need to become a millionaire agent. Learn from top agents, brokers, team leaders, and experts in the industry who can help you on the path to success. And now, here's today's episode. Well, hello, everyone. We are so excited. We have Dossie Lazar, and she actually has done rentals. She's done house flips, and she's also a real estate agent. She's a wife, a mom of three adorable boys, and we are going to talk about how to invest in real estate, how to be able to manage them all, because she does. She has over 20 rentals. She's flipped over 30 houses herself, and then also helps other people and other investors get into that. So, Dossie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I do need to say I just had my my fourth child, baby girl, after three boys. Oh, wow. Congratulations. I that in. <laughs> awesome. Well, tell us, how did you get into real estate and into the investing piece? Yes. So I was I had my nine to five job and I was bored at my nine to five job and I found myself on Zillow seeing houses sell for 50 to 90,000 and a few months later selling for 300,000. And I was sitting there and I just, I'm like, what am I missing here? Like here I'm making my $15 an hour. And I decided I was nine months pregnant and I decided to get my real estate license. It was the cheapest business type of thing to get into. And I was like, let's just see, see where it takes me. And I I didn't have enough money in the beginning to start investing, but that was really my calling is the investing. And I wanted to start picking up rental properties and building wealth through that. So I was never, cha- I wasn't, I didn't know, I didn't want to always feel like I was chasing the deal. That was very Problem. important to me. Well, for those who are listening and they are wanting to start working with more investors, they kind of need to know some formulas and some kind of numbers that maybe you have in your head that I want you to share with people. So let's say you look at a house. I want you to talk about what are some numbers that you kind of say overall, like if I'm looking at a townhouse or if I'm looking at a single family home, how much am I, when I look at a house, how much am I paying for the paint, the HVAC, the water heater, all of those different things? How much are those numbers? And I'd love for you guys to type those in the chat so you can kind of write those down. Okay. So yeah, here, I'll put it in the chat. I actually prepared something. When I walk through the property, I, you know, I, and this, I'll, I'm going to talk about a townhouse right now. So let's say under 1,500 to 2,000 square feet. I look around, I see how much, um, how bad the walls are, what condition they're in. If it's like just the basic paint, we could get away with maybe around 3,500. It needs a lot of patchwork. I know it's going to be around 5,000. HVAC, I see how old it is. Many times we're just swapping it out. That's 5,000 there. Water heater, look to see the age on that. That's 1,500. Um, electrical panel, typically around 1,500. The kitchen, the kitchen really depends if we could get away with painting the cabinets, just putting countertop. But if I'm doing a whole kitchen, I'm estimating around ten to $12,000 for the kitchen. Full bathrooms are around 8,000. So I kind of have these numbers just like in my head and I put them in my notes while I'm walking the property and just to like keep track of what I think it will actually need. Um, if it needs a roof, I'm looking around 6,000. So I look up at the ceiling and see if there's any water stains to see. And that will indicate if I if I see some serious damage, I know I for sure need a, 
a roof. Windows are about $500 a window. Flooring, I estimate around $3 a square foot. Higher areas will allow more for material. Recess lighting is about $115 a light. Um, so just just really depends. If the HVAC needs duct work, that's going to be more. So the 5000 for the HVAC is really just swapping out the existing HVAC. I want to tell you one of the reasons why I joined and I just love Canzel is that I can get 100% commission, I get revenue share, and I get stock. I am making thousands of dollars every single month in revenue share and stocks. And I now don't have to work nights and weekends on real estate anymore. You know, I've actually never been to a real estate agent's retirement party, and I want to be the first one that people are coming to at a young age. And I want to share with you some of my favorite resources. So if you go to joincanzel.com slash free, there's a couple that I want you to download. One is a 20 free lead generating PDF. It's going to help you generate leads for free that you can download, as well as there's one on how to double your business. I don't want you to miss it. Go download it today. Joincanzel.com slash free. So one of my friends, his name is Matt Saunders. He actually has about 70 properties that he owns. He's actually been on here and been on the podcast before. Um, but his formula is this. He says, he goes, okay, if I look in a, in a property and it needs, say it's not a lot that needs to be done. Let's just say there's $20,000, needs a little bit of paint, carpet. He's like, I'm going to, let's pretend that the house is worth $100,000. So he takes $100,000 minus the $20,000 of repairs that needs to be done. And then he multiplies that by 70%. And so that $100,000 house if you take minus 20,000 is 80,000 times 70%, that gives you 56,000. And a lot of people are like, yeah, but how, if it's a $100,000 house, it's hard to find houses where someone's going to sell it to you for 56,000. That's his magic formula that he says he does not deviate from. He always uses that. And he's always been profitable ever since, since he started with that formula. Talk to me about your formula. What do you do and how much are you trying to make on every property? So yeah, my flips and rentals are different. My flips, I'm trying to make at least forty to $50,000 before even touching it. So that formula, I heard of it and I've, I've used it also as well in the beginning. That's what I would use. But sometimes it works and sometimes it's if the property is in a bad area or different type of area I want to I would even want to see more than that return if it's a bigger risk. Um, so yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to even get in to a property before forty to fifty thousand dollars on the flip that I see that making. And I, I have a spreadsheet that I plug my numbers into. So I'm plugging exact numbers into you know what my closing costs are looking like, what my hard money is costing me, um, what title fees are going to be, what lender fees are going to be, what I'm estimating on repairs all that. And I like to give myself a little bit wiggle room on repairs because you never know what could come up. And things usually do come up that you weren't expecting. Um, sometimes you think you're there's no water in the basement and all of a sudden you you end up waterproofing. So there's definitely some repairs. So let's talk about ways that the people listening to this call could try to attract more, you know, more investors to their portfolio. So for example, Let's say they did a Facebook post that said something like, 
You guys, I have an, an amazing spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet that you can just type in the numbers that will tell you, you know, all of these different things that we talked about with like the paint, the HVAC, and an exact formula to let you know whether or not you can make money on that flip. And so you could like have them go into like a, a form, right, where you could say, click here and get my free Excel spreadsheet, right? And then they would put their name, phone number, and email, and that's getting leads. Have you ever done something like that? Or what can they do to try to get more investors on board? So the first thing with getting more investors is finding the deal. That is the hardest part. And that is how you can attract people to you, especially experienced investors. So if you have a deal, let's say you're door knocking, well, you find a distressed house and you're like, okay, all of a sudden I have this property. And then you find an investor who's already either invested in the area or um, or someone that you just know, you see them post houses, post pictures of their renovated houses. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm friends with all of them. Like that's my whole Facebook feed is people posting pictures of that. That will get you an experienced investor. What you mentioned, that would get you probably an inexperienced investor and you both would be working together to like kind of figure it out. But finding- Okay, hold on. So say that again about the experienced investor. So if you wanted to get an experienced investor, what would you do? I would start, I would look for distressed houses, either door knock, find their numbers, figure out how to buy that house that's distressed because they, they're, they're already seeing what's on the MLS. I mean, you can potentially put in just millions of offers. And I used to do this pre-COVID, but there's just been very, very limited, at least in the Baltimore area, amount of amount available on the MLS. But that is a way also is to just keep putting in offers on the MLS or go out and see what houses are distressed that look like they need work, overgrown grass, boarded up, you know, a house that looks like it clearly wasn't taken care of and um, and try to find who that owner is and try to get that under contract or try to get an invest that investor, get someone in there. Could even reach out to other agents who are working with investors already if you really don't have a clue of who's investing or anything and just say, hey, I want to try to find you properties. So, um, so that's a great idea. You could even just post pictures. You can go on the MLS and find houses that look distressed and put something like there's I found a couple of distressed properties I'm looking for some investors that want to do some flips you know who's interested something like that and then that would get you some people as well now let's talk about with the vendors because I think it's really important for you to if you want to get a do a flip you've got to get contractors you know, you talked about getting a, an HVAC system for five thousand, and I, we we I know we just did a flip. Um, my actually, my daughter did it, and she um, got an HVAC for five thousand dollars completely installed. But again, we had a relationship with someone who we do a lot of business with, and got that. So, how are you building these relationship with your vendors to be able to get some of these deep discounts from the contractors? So. First step is meeting them at the property, walking them through, telling them your vision of what you plan on doing with your business. Like I plan, I want to give you a lot more business. I want to find properties. Can you give me the best price now? And let's see how we could continue this relationship to to evolve and I could give you a lot more business. So showing them that you're that you want to give them continued business, also paying them on time. 
paying, I, it's like the biggest thing for me is when their work is done, don't withhold the money. They, they need that money ASAP. So that continues that relationship. I have vendors out there that are so eager to do business with me because they know the second they finish, they're getting paid. Money's not being withheld from them. So I hear horror stories about people not paying their contractors and um, just withholding money and you can't build a relationship off of that. Let's talk about, I have a friend of mine that is doing Google AdWords. He's paying about $200 per uh, like click that or per you know lead that's coming in. It's astronomical how much he's paying. And he said it's still, even him paying $200 per lead, he's able to convert enough of those to be able to make it worth it because he's making so much on the flip. Um, but talk about where are you finding your houses to flip? Like, t- like talk about all the different avenues that either you do or your friends do to try to get some of these, these houses at the best prices. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of opportunity out there that I, I possibly couldn't take advantage of everything, but I work with people who do. So there's people are going to public auctions, you know, on the court step, buying houses that way, coming directly from the bank. You could find properties on the MLS. What I mentioned before is just keep submitting offers. I used to have a formula again pre-COVID. For every about ten offers I put in, I was getting one. Um, and okay, I- so let's stay there for just a second because I think that there are still uh, people say I, I have two two friends and they both we were at dinner one night and one of them was like I'm still getting a ton of deals from the MLS and another guy's like No, I can't get a deal on the on the MLS, there's no chance I can get that. And they're kind of going back and forth. Yeah. So I think that that's true. I think if you have the right formula, you can buy houses on the MLS. So tell me ex- if they want to just do that route, what exactly did you do? You go look at the property. That's first step because you're not going to know what your repair cost is if you don't look at the property. So, and then, like you said, to know that formula is you need to know how much you're going to be spending in repairs. So you can't just look at a property on MLS and be like, ah, it's going to need 60,000. When really, if you go look at it, it needs 30,000. You're not, you won't be able to compete with all the other bidders because many of these properties are being asked for highest and best once you do submit your offer. So knowing your numbers is really important when submitting an offer on the MLS. Um, So, and then it's just about writing that offer up, which is annoying, but it's, you know, you, you eventually come to your formula. Hey, for every 10, I, putting in, I am getting one because I'm knowing my numbers. You're going out to the property to really know your numbers and to know what it will take to actually make a profit on this property. And and I have a friend that his philosophy is he doesn't go out there. He just assumes that, you know, he looks at the pictures and goes kind of like you have in there, you know, where you go, yeah. okay, I know I'm going to paint. It's 5,000. I know I need an HVAC. And he just kind of goes in and goes, all right, I know that this property is going to cost me $24,000. I'm going to go ahead and assume that so I can save time. I do the formula, $100,000 minus $24,000, and then take 70% of that and start writing offers. Have you done yeah. that as well? Yeah, sure. I've done that many times. And it just really depends how busy you are and where you want to focus on. But going to the property will allow you to know your numbers better. And like there's one, I just sold a property to a client of mine and the pictures looked horrible online, but I happen to have known the agent 
and I've bought properties from this agent before, for some reason, the pictures always look a lot worse than what the property actually is. So I told my client, I'm like, go check it out. Let's go check it out because that is, we could be thinking it's needing 100,000. It really only needs 50. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Did not need all the work that we thought it did. The angles are whatever it is. However, this agent takes pictures just makes it look so much worse. And my client was able to secure the property. And at the same time, no one else was bidding on it because it didn't, it looked like it needed so much more work. So, okay, so one round is the MLS. What, where else are you finding your houses to flip? Um, wholesalers slash connections, just knowing people out there who are knocking on doors, finding those distressed properties that I was mentioning before. So either you could do that yourself or there's, I mean, it's a whole other business of finding these distressed houses and connect yourself with wholesalers. You do need to be careful. There's some very slimy ones out there. You can't, you can't go off of their value what they think the value is after you finish all your repairs. So you got you have to do your own research, but you can find some good deals that way and being in touch with them, keeping that connection. Um, it's so how are you how are you finding those wholesalers? Are there any Facebook groups or anything where a lot of these wholesalers are? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of Facebook groups and it kind of becomes a ripple effect once they see that you actually close on a deal and getting in that first one is more challenging at times because they need to see that you're going to close on the deal. Once you build your reputation of, hey, I'm someone who closes, I'm not someone who backs out, they're going to start sending you deals more because they know you're actually going to close versus other people who they don't feel confident that they're actually going to close. So it becomes a ripple effect. Uh, but yeah, it's connected. There's a Let's, let's, let's stay there with the wholesalers for just a second because I think you made a really good point that I want to chime in on. So a lot of there with wholesalers i think you can find some wholesalers that are reasonable and i want to show some numbers for that so meaning like some guys you know let's say they bought the property for a hundred thousand and then they want to make you know 20 or thirty thousand on the wholesaling and then there's not enough meat on the bone for you because you're doing all of the work so do you have any kind of formula or anything, tips that you can say, here's how I decide if the wholesale deal is is going to work or not? I mean, the same way I decide if a property on the MLS is going to work. I'm, I don't care what they're making. I've had wholesalers make $150,000 off of me just signing papers. And I am so happy for them because you found the deal, you did that work. That's a whole other business. I mean, like your friend is paying $200 a click. He's not converting all of those. So there's a lot of expenses that these big wholesalers are that they accrued. Um, so to me, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're making, I don't care. And it doesn't deter me from purchasing the property because many times you don't see that number until settlement. And that will never be a determining factor if I'm going to go to closing or not, whenever that number is. If I am happy with the numbers of, and I'm happy with what I'm making, that, that figure does not matter to me at all. Awesome. That's great advice. So let's talk about some of the things that you do to add value. So if you were an agent and you were walking through the property and you were giving an investor advice, you know, is it tearing down the walls or opening up the kitchen or moving one bathroom to a second bathroom? Like, what are things that you're going in that house and saying, here's what we can do and this will add tons of value to this house? Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, changing layouts, moving walls. And you have to really know your comps because sometimes moving walls are expensive and 
doing that type of stuff, but sometimes it's worth it and the return is there. And sometimes I'll be like, no, don't do that. That's you're not getting give some examples of that, of things that are not going to have like one of the things I was thinking of that it, it, that I just re- remember a friend of ours, she sold her house and she had just pay- paid, I think, like ten thousand dollars to get her whole house painted white when it was already like a nice cream color. Right. She spent ten thousand dollars and it, she still talks about it that the person who bought her house went in and painted everything because like black and purple and all these crazy colors. And she's still mad about it. She's like, I spent $10,000 on painting that house white when it was cream. And like you said, painting has gotten so outrageous these days. Like I can't even believe how much, you know, these painters are charging. But what are some things that are not worth it? that there's no bang for the buck something that's um it, it really depends on the area like sometimes some sometimes i'll say okay it's worth it to open up this kitchen we need an open floor plan and other times certain areas i'm like don't open it up don't waste your money over here you're not getting a penny more there's no inventory available there's buyers are knocking on doors anyways we're going to hit a cap no matter what you do to this kitchen, that new cabinets and countertops and stainless steel appliances do you just fine. So it depends. There's no like general, this works for every property. You really need to know your comps and know what is happening in the, what, what's going on with the inventory and how desirable the area is. I actually just went under contract on a listing of mine and this is a down the block from my house. So a retail, a retail seller and there was some water in the basement, some mold. And I gave them, I had my contractor walk through and we went through, okay, is it worth it to paint that house, make these repairs for the water in the basement, or just leave it as is and disclose all this is happening. And she opted to just leave it as is because the basement was going to get complicated. Um, it, it wasn't just replacing some baseboards. Um, and I'm like, if you do it, you have to do all of it. You can't just do, you can't just paint it because that's, covering up a latent defect, which is a big problem. And it could also, right before closing, the buyer will see damage and it won't be worth it. So she ended up just disclosing. And I know the area is super desirable. She ended up getting $20,000 above ask, totally as is, where her max would have been probably, if she did these repairs, it probably would have been worth five fifty dollars about. And here she um didn't have to spend that fifty thousand dollars to make these repairs and she's just selling it as is and not doing any of the work so you have to really know what it's going to cost you and if it's worth it um sometimes painting cabinets is going to get you the most bang for your buck instead of replacing them if they're all in great condition and you know the style's not ancient you could definitely get away with painting cabinets in certain areas um that's that saved my clients a lot of money the old tiles are coming back in in the bathroom. Sometimes we leave those tiles there and we glaze the tubs and replace the vanity and the toilet. And you have a beautiful brand new bathroom. The shower head's all new. So there's many different ways of being creative. And your job as an agent is to know to know this stuff, to give your client the ideas. And that's what keeps them coming back to you. Give us some tips for managing the contractors and managing the flips. Because I know... One of the biggest things that we will complain about is the contractors are such a nightmare. Managing them is such a headache. What are some tips in general to just managing the flip in general and the contractors themselves? Yeah. 
So showing up is number one, showing up to your flips or renovation if you're doing a rental. I like to be there at least two to three times a week. When they say I'm here, um, I show up with them and I, I show them that I'm invested in the, in the project just as they are. And it's not like, oh, here's a check. I don't really care. When you show up, they see that you actually care and they put that extra effort to care as well, whether it's their caulk lines or whatever they're doing. Um, also paying them on time. You know, that continues that back right back to that. They want to be paid on time. If you delay their payment, they're not going to do good work for you and they're not going to want to continue to work with you. And having that, just having that fun closeness relationship with still, I try to avoid all numbers. Like I don't tell them what I'm probably selling it for, what it's, what I bought it for. They don't know any of that. I really try to keep all that on the DL and just keep it fun, friendly. Um, I think is very, very important. Let's talk more about, we only have two minutes left. What What is it that these agents can do if they go, you know, I want to really work with these clients that are investors. Talk more about that, of how they can get more involved into investing themselves and getting those clients involved. Any other strategies that you can end with? It's really about that deal. I mean, I'll, I said it again. I said it before and I'll say it again. Finding that deal for investors, finding the investors is easy. And I remember when I started out, I'm like, what's that mean? You go to, if you want to find some investors, you have a deal, then you want to find some investors, you go to a public auction and there will be 10 investors just waiting for deals. So you find the deal. They're saying, go, even if you, 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 you can go to the auction, when you go to the auction, you're going to meet investors there. That's a great exactly. So you tell them, hey, I have a deal. So it really comes down. I mean, one of my biggest investors I work with, um, it was actually a brother of a client of mine. And getting in there was really hard. I started feeding him some deals from wholesalers, from MLS. I just showed him that I was invested in his business as well, sending him, sending him properties from the MLS. Hey, you interested in this one? You're interested in that one? And then eventually... It went on a ripple effect. He buys most of his properties at the auction where I'm still getting all those listings from him. So it's really giving them your time and showing how invested you are in wanting to work with them. And uh, they're, they're going to want to use you. And whether they're not going to use you exclusively, but at least for a lot of their flips, they should, they're, they're going to want to use you because they want you to continue to give them those deals. I love it. Well, Dossie, thank you so much for joining us. Let's show her some love in the chat. That was a wealth of, of information and lots of knowledge. We really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review so we can get this out to more agents. And tune in next week for another Power Pack episode. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast.